Hello and welcome to the Heat Unmissables podcast. Every week we look at the big pop cultural artefacts of the week. They're usually TV programmes. Sometimes they're films. Every now and then it might be a musical thing or a theatrical thing. But most of the time it's TV and that's because we feel that people are obsessed with TV, don't we, my great colleagues? Yes, we do. Kay Ribeiro. Do. Hello. And Steph Seelan. Hello. I'm going to drop the running joke about your title. Okay. Because oh, I think wow. it's gone on so long. Although Kay's Queen of Soaps. Uh, what's the, I've kind of dropped your running joke as well, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to remind you of it. Oh, no, don't oh, remind no, him. Don't, it is oh, TV. Yeah, yes. Don't, don't, don't. Anyway, this week, after last week's slightly tawdry, let's face it, Sex Fest. It was filthy. Sex Fest 2017. Yeah, where we talked like about, you know, X on the beach and naked attraction and stuff like that. This week, we're going highbrow. Yeah. Classy. We've got Joanna Lumley. We've got Edgar Wright, director of Baby Driver. We've got The Windsors. My God. We've got The Leftovers, one of the classiest shows in the world ever. Mm -hmm. And Okja, one of the classiest films from Netflix in the world ever. Starring lots of really classy people. It's getting serious. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, exactly, isn't it? Although he's not the lead, is he, Kay? No, he's not. He doesn't need to be. He's good in whatever small role he has. Thanks. so I think we, yeah, we definitely kind of, we definitely, we've definitely lifted the brow, haven't we? I the think brow's been officially lifted. Yeah. So in case you're offended by last week's tawdry fest, it was a tawdry fest. I listened back to it and it was offended? absolutely disgusting. Yeah. This, Apologies. Yeah. If you are offended or just want to talk to us, you should tweet us because mm. actually we had a nice tweet from someone who I want to mention oh. um, at Torres J47, who. I mean, I say it's a nice tweet. He just showed he was listening to it, um, listening to us, because he said that I should not watch um, that film that you said I shouldn't watch. What was it? Body Heat? Body Heat, yeah. He was like, no, at K. Ribeiro shouldn't... That was my vote for... Yeah, he listened to your advice. And I said... Yeah. What's his name again? Uh, Was it? Torres J47. Thanks, Torres. He said I shouldn't watch it. You were right. That was my pick for sexiest film of all time, remember? And starring William Hurt and Kathleen Turner. And he said, he he backed me up on my pick, but he said that he thought you should shield your eyes from it. I know, which means means I'm definitely going to watch it now and I'm going to review it for you guys. Oh, good, I'm glad. This is somebody who's told you not to on the internet. Yeah, it's only made it more intriguing to me. If you could make sure you watched Body Heat by this time next week, that'd be great. Give us your feedback. You said challenge accepted. I told you it's not for you. Oh, don't say that. You Reasons don't know that. We'll find not out. To be disclosed. Well, we'll find out. So that's your task for next week. Mm-hmm. That'll be in your uh, things you've been watching this week Done. bit, which is the bit we're going to turn to now. What have you been watching this week, Steph? Okay, so I'm still on Broken. Is Good. anybody else doing it with me? No, no. no. It's so depressing. <laughs> it is depressingly, but it's the most. If you want a really get down, it's like sit down and be depressed and cry. You got to watch it. Sometimes you need those shows when you just need to get oh, a cry out. So. And is Anna Frill definitely not in it? At Listen, all? I told you this last week. <laughs> I'm got, she's I'm not in it. Why she's not in the background. That? She's not in the credits. She's it. not in it. Every week it's a well, different person. Well, I feel bad because I set the whole thing up as starring Sean Bean and Anna Frill. That's what I told everyone. And well, I, like well, I said to you before, Sean Bean is the greatest man ever, and he's brilliant in this, so it's fine. Okay. But Anna Frill is nowhere to be seen. Okay, fine. And I've been watching Mickey Flanagan's Thinking Out Loud. Oh, on Sky, on Sky One. Yeah. Oh, you like Mickey Flanagan? Oh, I love him. He's so funny. I'm not sure if Kay does. Well, she wouldn't like this latest episode that I watched because it was about patriotism. (laughs) Another thing that I won't like. Oh, but he was, he's not, he's not on board with the old royal family, which I know Kay is a big royalist. Well, you know, forget it. But he did try to understand why everybody, Mickey Flanners. Mickey Flanners. Not interested. Don't you like it when he goes, oh, I'm double busy. 
Davis. She, she's not. I've seen her react to Mickey Fagan badly before. <laughs> so I know. What? You know, Why? Just, he he hates the these, royal family. He, she has these but that's irrational... that's new information to you. I literally just <laughs> yeah. told yeah, you that yeah, now. No, she has these irrational dislikes sometimes. You just have to go with, go with the flow. Okay. Anyway, Kate, what have you been uh, enjoying this week? Two words, Love Island. Oh, Still oh. loving it. And Johnny and Camilla's romance, budding who romance. Who and who? Camilla Two people of the on the family. show, yes, Pri- yeah. Camilla, yeah. Um, Charles is not there, yeah. um, sadly. <laughs> um, no, two two people in their house um, who are taking it really, really slowly, slow burner. But you know what? By the time this podcast comes out, because we're doing this on Friday, it could be totally over. That's that's the beauty of this show. It's very fast moving, but yeah. Love and you got sent, I noticed you got sent by the Love Island people some kind of plastic oh, drinking God, device. Right. Everyone it, in the office went nuts. Yeah, they did. Like, what is wrong with everyone? Never has a bit of plastic ex- excited so many people. What? Basically, if you're a fan of Love Island, you'd know that they just sit around drinking water out of these bottles, which are no doubt really manky now because they must stink. But they're plastic bottles and they've got their names written in fluoro. Oh. And so the lovely PR, to thank us for the support, sent me one with my name on. Are they those fruit infusion ones? You know, where you yeah, you can, yeah, you can shove a strawberry say, in what's it. The thing, what's the, there's a kind of thing at the bottom. I'm yeah, pointing that, to it, it's listeners. A, it's a technical, technical term, fruit infusion. Is that what it is? Fruit cylinder. Basket. So you shove actual fruit in that cylinder bit. God, he just oh, can't get it. Hold on a minute. He's going to have it away. He can't wrap his head around this. He's got his beady eyes on that. I can see such a thing. Yeah. Anna Frill, the fruit, the fruit, fruit infusion. No, never seen that before. Fruit infusion, water to, thing. Yeah, you put like put strawberries or kiwis, or, or you put ice, whatever or anything. Fruit, oh, ice. Oh, ice yep, is good. Although that actually, good that's idea. just going to melt through the basket. That makes no sense. Um, <laughs> well, well, anyway, thank God. I'm going to get you one as a gift because well, I think you'd you. enjoy it. Okay, can you write my name on it in, in floral? I'm going to write it on in a sharpie. <laughs> that would be just as good. That'd be great. I could pretend I'm in my own Love Island. Yeah, Boyd's Love Island, an island that everyone wants to live on. Steady. I have been watching. I was hoping that we were going to review this properly because it's out tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, I always say this every week when the <laughs> podcast comes out. Tomorrow, Wednesday the 28th, Baby Drive opens in cinemas and I was wanting to get you two to see it but you, you just couldn't be bothered, could you? And um, no, you are busy. You were busy. What was doing? Let it go, Steph. I didn't get he's the just, invite. He's trying to, he's you did tr- get the invite. He's, he's trying to provoke you, don't let it work. the same day as something else important that you had to go I to. I never do anything. What are you talking oh, about? Okay, well I did. I mean, I'm just saying. I What's it like, that. Boyd? What was the film like? The reason I have to mention it is because it is my favourite film with is it so about far. a baby? It's my favourite film of the year so far. Driver. <laughs> is it like that baby boss film with them? Um, what's his What's his chops? The guy that I like, no. Alec Baldwin. No, it's not a CGI animated film about an overgrown oh, it's got a baby fun name. running a family. Oh, but it is about a baby-faced young man played by Ansel Elgort, who Ooh. is a getaway driver for nasty villains, masterminded by Kevin Spacey, joined <gasps> by him. Jamie Foxx and John Hamm oh. and Ilza Gonzalez. Hold on a minute. Can I just say, if you invite me to this, I'd definitely have gone to see it because I love all of those people. Well, you can have to sit, go and see it for yourself. Oh, right. We'll okay. never. We'll, we'll just have to listen, um, guys. We'll never know the truth behind this. I think we need to let it go. You, the invite. Okay. Guys, I believe you, truth. obviously. Thank let's you. not. Let's not bicker about okay. this sort of thing. Um, and. Lily James is this girl who he falls in love with, Ansel Elgort's um, character falls in love with. And the, the, among the many incredible things about this film are, he, the whole film is, is um, played out to the soundtrack that director, writer-director Edgar Wright chose. So all the songs, there's about 30 songs in the film, or 35, something like that, and he choreographs the action to these music. So they're all cleared. You know, you have to get clearance rights oh. for songs. He cleared them all before he started filming. So, and you will hear it in the interview. So I've got some audio of me interviewing Edgar Wright. Oh, and fancy. he explains how he plays out the music during the action. For the act- Some of the actors have got it in their headphones. Some of them times he's playing it out on the set. Oh, it's like another level it's, of method. It's another level of... It's, it is incredible. So these brilliantly made sequences of, like, 
bank robberies and other mm. things played out to this incredible selection of music like Barry White's in it um, and I'm going to forget all the other people that are in it oh the amazing people in it Queen there's a Queen song in it mm. uh, there's a Beck song in it stuff like that just great great songs classic songs so it's kind of like almost like a musical See, and, he, and, and the main a thing is the with cars. baby driver baby face guy played Bands of Love was listening to all these songs on his on his, on his um, headphones he's got mm. his little things tune in his iPod his iPod so like he's experiencing the whole thing as well through his own musical taste so he picks all the music himself is the character so it's a kind of unique and it's full of car chases and this kind of romance this is it or isn't it doomed romance that's one of the great things about it it's a kind of like a classic 70s as I mentioned again in the interview American thriller adventure romance thing and it's amazing is it what the people who make Fast and Furious 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, oh. 7 and 8 would like to have made I don't think so because they're making billions and billions of dollars out gotcha. of those films <laughs> and they're all incredibly rich and successful. But I think that it's kind of like it's it's the coolest type of film mm. you'll ever see. It's the, you know, it's like it's like those films are blockbuster action blockbusters with lots of cars. This is one of the incredibly cool like mid 70s approach mm. to cars in films and um, getaway drives and and things like that. Jamie Foxx is always in really cool films. And the cast is incredible. Like Jamie Foxx is brilliant. He's like the, the the kind of most the nastiest one, the most psycho of the gang. So he's mm. part of this gang. Um, Kevin Spacey has never been, hasn't been this good for years as the mastermind of the whole thing. House of Cards. Yeah, I was about to say. Oh no, yeah, oh, I mean in a film. I mean in a film. <laughs> oh, of course we love House of Cards. Yeah, but in a film, so it's incredible. So it is my favourite film of the year so far. And to commemorate that fact, we've got I've, I interviewed Edgar Wright. So I interviewed him. At the junket. So you have these junkets where, you know, he's literally doing 20 a day interviews with various doofuses. Did he save his best chat for you? I did the very first one. First thing oh. in the morning, he gave me a lovely hug. He hit his head on the mic oh. that was recording it. So it was being recorded. <laughs> you injured him. Yeah, I injured him. Um, and he was lovely. And I started out by asking him what it was like to be in the middle of this press junket having to do all these interviews every single day. Here he is, Edgar Wright. I mean, it's, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's nice. So if I'm, the thing is, it's like, it's funny. Jamie Foxx said something on the Jimmy Kimmel the other day, which was very funny. Um, they were saying, um, oh, you know, saying that they liked the film. And Jamie Foxx said, he goes, do you know how much easier it is to promote a film when it's actually good? <laughs> which was very sweet. But I mean, here's the thing is that sort of, I'm proud of the movie. So even though you're doing a lot of press, that makes it just a lot. I mean, it's just like, of course. yeah, it's so the only thing I can really do is make the best movie I can and then do every interview to promote it. Absolutely. I mean, the only downside, the only, and these are high level from Zahan, <laughs> the only downside to it at all is that you go to these amazing cities and then have like 15 minutes off. Right. So I was in Paris, which is obviously one of the greatest cities on earth, and I was in my hotel, and then, and then I was gone. <laughs> and then that was yeah. it. I didn't really get to see Paris at all. Yeah, that's quite frustrating, I imagine, yeah. So this film is kind of like one of many firsts. It's like the first film you write a director on your own, since yep. I guess like probably the very first thing you ever did. Yeah. And first proper American film, yep. film mainly in Atlanta. What was like the hardest element of all of that? Did you, what's the biggest challenge of, do, of doing it? I think writing solo was kind of tough, actually, because it's also... It was a sort of challenging film to write because it's so action heavy that actually just trying to get all of that across and get across the musical element of it on the page was tough. I think the actual the actual shooting of it in Atlanta was great and one of the nice things was is that is a combination of like people I've worked with since Spaced and then new people who were working on this film for the first time. So that's amazing as I think over the years I've sort of like sort of accumulated this amazing crew 
of like you know my editors and production designer and producer from way back from Spaced, you know Bill Pope who shot the last three movies did like the Matrix films and like was, you know is amazing and then on this movie the I guess the two biggest new people were like the um, uh, the stunt coordinator Darren Prescott and uh, the choreographer Ryan Heverton so it's always just a nice thing where you sort of like. I'm very loyal to my kind of people that I work with and I like that shorthand, but then there's always like new professionals that you bring in that just add something to the whole mix. It does, it felt to me like an incredibly authentic, proper American. I mean, you could almost, you know, you could almost, apart from there's an iPod heavily involved, you could, it could be like a mid 70s classic American film. And in terms of like the authenticity of it, you're a lovely middle class white British guy. You know? <laughs> how, how do you achieve that, you know, level well, of pure Americanness? It's interesting, actually, because I did think about that, because even way, way back when I first had the germ of the idea, when I was, like, 21, living in North London, I knew that it wasn't a British film, and I knew that what I wanted to make was an American film. I think one of the things that I did, which is actually sort of really amazing part of the process, is when I was writing, I took to interviewing ex-cons in the States, um, some of which over the phone, and then a few of them in person... Uh, and that was like an amazing experience because I thought, well, and like, I'm like, yeah, like you said, like a middle, middle class guy from Somerset. Like, how do I write an American crime film? It's like, well, write what I want to write and then run it past real life bank robbers. And that was an incredible process, which I think sort of elevated the entire thing. There was one particular guy called Joe Lawyer who ends up making a cameo in the movie. He plays one of the security guards in the heist. So he's actually a security guard on the receiving end of some bank robbers. But he was somebody that, like, in the 80s and 90s, he committed 30 bank robberies. He went to prison for 10 years. He's now, like, a writer. And so I would, at first, I would just, like, tell him, this is what the movie, this is what the plot is. Here are some ideas for scenes. Here are some ideas for characters. And on every level, he would have either, like, sort of real-life anecdotes that pertain to what I was writing about, or little bits of detail that were like exactly what I was thinking about. And then very occasionally things that he was saying, oh, I don't think this character would do that. So I basically like, um, one way just making it authentic was like sort of talking to the actual people who have done jobs like this for real. And then also making sure that once I reset it in Atlanta, it was originally written for Los Angeles, rewrote it for Atlanta. I spoke to a couple of Atlanta writers um, who were Atlanta natives and said, you know, like, what do you think? This is what I'm going to do, and what do you think that feels authentic? So it was important to me to make it feel authentic. And then I got to say, like, a lot of my favorite, like, crime films started to, and I didn't really realize this until afterwards, but I was thinking about it. Lots of them are by British directors. Right. Like, John Borman directed Point Blank, yeah. Peter Yates directed Bullet, Tony Scott directed True Romance. So I just thought, if I'm going to be a Brit in America doing this movie, I better make it, like, feel American. Yeah, well, you totally have, yeah. Thank you. Talk about the casting, Ansel Elgort and and Lily James, because it's also a romance, as much as anything. In fact, in a way, really, that's possibly the most important element. The thing that struck me watching them is they look so perfect together. It's like you feel watching them, yeah, these these are two people who should be together. Was that visually almost, you know, they kind of, there's something about the way they look that it feels right. Was that part of the inspiration of getting them involved? Yeah, I think when you first, I mean, it's something in their first meeting, 
it's like that the, you know within like 30 seconds that these two are supposed to be together but then it's I mean I'm not to give too much away about the ending and stuff but it's got that Romeo and Juliet feeling of like so something bad is going to happen to these two because like you know he's met this perfect girl but in the job that he's in at some point there's going to be a problem so I like this idea like the sort of their first kind of scenes are extremely charming and there's got such kind of like great flirty chemistry but you you know it's like leading up for some kind of um, uh, to be put in some kind of pinch and th- things are going to get like tough later on so I think those two were just like they also completely just vibed off each other they seem sort of so relaxed and flirty and and it's just really um you know beautiful to watch and seeing kevin spaces this just watching him have an incredible <laughs> amount of fun with this kind of horrible like at first you feel he's even you know for a master criminal or wherever he is you know organizing these these robberies you know he's kind of he's trying but then as the time goes on you feel it, there's a there's definitely a big darkness to him isn't it and seeing Getting him to, was he your first choice for that? I presume it must have been because he so, seemed so perfect. For well, it. you know what's funny? I didn't write it with him in mind, and actually, like initially in the process, he was not available. Okay. And then there was this great thing that happened where I think Kevin was supposed to be doing a play that he's actually doing right now, but he was planning to do it last year. And then when that didn't happen, or he he bumped it a year, suddenly it was like Kevin Spacey is available. And I was like. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, like, and then he read the script and wanted to do it. And then it was like, well, this is amazing. And then once he had come on board, I slightly rewrote parts of it because I thought, well, here's, here's an actor that can, like, I mean, just, like, spit through dialogue at, at, at amazing speeds and just make it sound incredible. So I got really excited about Kevin saying my dialogue. Mm. And, in fact, the first scene that we shot is probably my favourite bit of Kevin in the movie is there's a scene outside a restaurant where... Kevin's waiting at the valet, and then he's kind of basically sort of quietly terrorizing Ansel. It's the moment where he starts to get nasty. Yes. And it's just, just, it was a joy to watch him doing it on set, you know, regardless of the finished scene. So I just got really excited watching that. That is a phenomenal scene, yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of the, um, the the music, obviously, is a key element. And, you know, you've explained that, you know, you had all the music cleared. You've got, what, like 30, 40 songs maybe? in, in 35, the 35, yeah. 35 songs. So how does it work? When you're filming, you're literally playing those those songs to as you're filming it so everyone can hear them. To, to time it so they're all doing exactly what you do, what you want them to do in terms of the timing. Is that yeah. roughly? Yeah. So basically, you kind of like with there's lots of choreography in the in the film, or like an Ansel's character is always listening to the music. So sometimes people are listening to it in their ears. They have these things called earwigs. Sometimes Ansel's just listening to it on his headphones that he has in the scene, and then sometimes the whole cast can hear it. So you're either playing it out loud, or they're all wearing earwigs. And usually, earwigs is so that you can play the music and still record their dialogue. But if it's a scene with no music and there's like loud gunfire or cars, then you just play it out loud. What's your? These are all songs you love, obviously. What's yeah. your, what's, what gave you the greatest pleasure to see the song you loved with your visuals in the middle of your film playing out? Well, the opening track, Bell Bottoms, is obviously the one that kind of kicked off the whole enterprise. But when I watch the movie, the song that I'm always like, just excited to hear is the Barry White song <laughs> Never Never Gonna Give You Up it's just like so the, that song and just like the scene it just like it always gets me excited so the Barry White song mm. is the one yeah oh that's that's 
Absolutely classic, yeah, totally. Um, in terms of like, you know, this, this is a magnificent film. This is, you know, I think everyone's going to love it. Do you looking at and thinking about Kevin and his role in House of Cards and that we're reaching kind of premium peak TV? I we'd love to see you doing like some kind of Netflix, you know, Amazon Prime, Edgar Wright amazing TV series. Does that appeal to you at all? Did you ever think, or you're sticking with films? You're such a film man that you'd rather stick with that. I don't know. I think. I think really it's not really about the format, it's about the story. So if there was something that was like a TV series is like, oh, I have to make this thing. I don't really think of it in terms of like, now it's time to do a TV show. I think sure. sort of it's more based on what the story is. I think also having done TV in the past, I'm fully aware that it's not something that you can just do quickly. Yeah. It's like for people like Matthew Weiner or Vince Gilligan, that's their life for like, sort of, which is amazing. You have to kind of fully invest. So I think if it was something that I really wanted to do and I wanted and I had the time to do it, then yes. But at the moment, it's great doing this. And in terms of um, the the film and kind of how it's going to be received, do you are you a person? I mean, already the, the, re the reviews have been amazing. It's about to come out. Do you are you are you completely relaxed about that now, or are you still kind of nervous in terms of how it's box office and all of that and perceived success? Or are you like, no, you're you know it's a it's a Without wanting to be arrogant, you know it's a good film and you're happy with the way it's going to get Well, out. I think sort of, I, having done this a few times now, I sort of get superstitious a little bit where I just basically think the sort of, the, the reception of it is sort of beyond me. All I can do is make, you sort of just have to look at this, like, all I can do is make the best movie I can and do everything I can to promote it. And then it's in the lap of the gods beyond that. Um, so I, I get a little bit superstitious about that. So I sort of thinking, and, and the, the thing is, I am generally proud of the movie. So I think, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's over to the audience. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Thanks, Thank man. You. Good to see you again. And that was Edgar Wright talking about Baby Driver. I may have said it already. But I'm going to say it again. It's my favorite film of the year so far. Can I Although there's one coming out later that might be a close contender. You can ask what you like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So your favorite film of the year, but you do realise that La La Land actually did come out this year. So La La Land wouldn't even be like anywhere near my favorite Ooh. film of the year. Okay. Moon Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. yeah. But not La La Land. No. Oh God! I've just remembered you hate musicals. I oh, know. I didn't hate. I didn't hate La La Land at all. I liked it. I really liked it. We wouldn't be anywhere near my favorite. Okay. So Moonlight. 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 There, yeah. I mean, we should do an episode. Yeah, Guys, next, don't next make week. me start chanting oh, about, God. you know, oh, God, she's going to... What time? She, you oh, no, time. I just want... Oh. I want the meat of the oh, yeah. sandwich. Entertainment sandwich. Let's get to the meat. So we're starting with... As I say, we've classed it up. We're starting with probably the classiest woman in pop culture. Is oh, that an exaggeration, yeah. No, it's not at all. Joanna Lumley's India. And I'm going to throw over to Kay Rare because not only did you preview the show for Heat Magazine out today, you interviewed Joanna Lumley about yep. this programme. You're going to hear some of that as well. And you uh, can explain what the whole thing is. Yeah, so basically Joanna Lumley was born in India. Her father, cousins, grandparents were all born in India and she lived there for a short amount of time, but she feels a great affinity with the country and considers it to be home. And so this whole documentary, three-parter, is her travelling around the country, um, experiencing different things. She goes to temples, sees religious ceremonies, um, goes to markets, you know, just basically gets under the skin of the country and she has an amazing time and you'll want to go visit the country as well. Anyway... I spoke to her about it, um, and I have to apologise for my giggling towards the end. It's just because I'm deeply in love with her. Oh, did you see it? Yes, I did. My my parents are Indian, and I haven't really... I don't know a lot about the country, so... But you've been? Yes. And where okay. are your parents? Um, they were born in uh, Bombay. Yeah. But ancestors are going. Yeah. I've got family in Pune and stuff, so I'm going in September, so I was like... <gasps> oh, oh, 
darling. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. So we go to Bombay. Um, we don't go to Pune. We don't go. We start off in Tamil Nadu, as you know, yeah. and then go Madurai and Hyderabad, and then we then we've got um, we've got Calcutta and and gone up Sikkim. We do New Delhi. We do we do Gujarat, yeah. Mumbai, a bit of um, a bit of Rajasthan. I'm so, so jealous. I want to come back with you. <laughs> come with me. No, I wish I could. I honestly am bewitched. I could not love that country more. You know? So why is it such a special place? I know you describe it. You explain because it. Because I'm um, born there. Even though I'm me, and even though it's Kashmir, which is you know sort of still um, sort of stateless. Do you know what I mean? Because Kashmir is always in this state of thing. You go. The first air I breathed was Indian air. And my sister, and my father, and my mother was born in England because she was supposed to be born in Persia. But and my cousins, and my um, and grandparents, my grandfather was born in Ghazipur. We we were born, and we travelled, positioned, posted as army people, running a bank here, being a diplomat there, being a doctor there, and India was our home. Mm. And how how often have you visited? Back and forth. Bit, bit back and forth, mostly to do with work or travelling or doing something. So years ago, I went down to the south to Car- Kerala and Karnataka, beautiful Western girls. So they come back there this time. You go to Valparai and see the tea estates and things. But you know, you know, your parents must have said this. In, in India, is so huge, it's so vast, it's so civilized and cu- cultured, and its history is so long that it's impossible to. Make a film on India. Which which, which India? Where to start? Where to start? <laughs> to start um, at the very bottom and end at the very top. <laughs> yeah, it would take you forever. Yeah. So how did the idea come about? Was it something you suggested, or it was ITV really? Because this is the seventieth anniversary of the independence, oh. and I think they felt that they would like to do something to celebrate that or to mark it in any case. And we sort of went, well, you know, this would be quite difficult because the story of of partition is not the happiest. Um, I mean, you don't want to, this, is an, this is a kind of travel and entertainment program. My family history is divided now by Pakistan, because my father was born in Lahore, my sister in Abbottabad. Um, so that makes that awkward. So we said, how do we do it? How should we do it? We thought we'd just do it on looking at India now, mm. just the India of today, not even how it got here, but just India now. Here I come. Sure, I've got family memories here and here. India today, and I think that's what we achieved. And it is very entertaining, as you say. Yeah. Because it's what you've achieved. And touching. Yeah. People like the transgender, oh, sweethearts. Yeah. And they couldn't afford even to save up the operation. But one of them was married, I'm pleased to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. And one of them was a sex worker and a naughty, cheeky girl, the biggest one on the table. She was a cheeky monkey. (laughs) She couldn't give a toss, actually. (laughs) And the clever, quiet one beside me. Raj Kumar, I think her name was. So touching. Mm. And you just get a glimpse of people's lives. But my job is to try to bring a glimpse of people's real lives to people here at home who will never have a chance to see them. And if they do go, they might stay in hotels and not get under the skin of things or be allowed into places like the jute factory. Wouldn't be allowed to go around a jute factory. She was quite a formidable character. Was the Duchess? No, the no. Um, um, what did she call herself? Um, Baron, the yeah, Baroness, the, the Duke Baron, because that was the name they were all given. 
you know, you, you are a press baron, like Murdoch or people like this, they're called press barons. Jute baron meant you could. And so when her husband died, she'd never been in one of the mills before in her life. She taught herself everything. How the mills Very run. strong woman. Taught herself accounting, taught herself law. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. What were your highlights? I mean, I'm sure you had loads throughout the whole trip, but if you had to pinpoint just a few. Well, some of the bits would be bits that you haven't seen. Mm. So <laughs> meeting the Dalai Lama there, doing an interview with him, and all the crew, my crew who are pretty good, well-traveled, they're, they're not, they haven't got hearts of flint, mm. but they're not soppy. But after we've met the Dalai Lama, we will be, <laughs> we'll be better people, I promise. <laughs> have you met him before? You've met I him have, before. I have. Did he remember you? Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. So that was divine. Um, I think seeing going to Runthumbore, where the tigers are, and seeing a tiger in the wild, we've all seen tigers, but to see a wild tiger is very, very exciting. Mm. And, and, the know that every, every, mm? and the elephants. And the wild elephants. You see, that you never think you'll see. You hear them usually, and you can see trees moving and bish bash, and you might see a bit of a back. But for them to come trimpity tromp out of the jungle with a baby and a huge one under this and a that, and then come right round there for our cameras, it seemed, up into the tea plantation and do everything we wanted, we were like, oh my God. That was an amazing moment, especially when you thought you weren't going to see them and then you're just about you, to. You know what happened yeah. when we weren't going to see them? We were due to leave and to go up to Hyderabad. And our producer said, I've got a hunt, keep the cameraman and I and Joanna will stay behind. Cameraman, Joe and I will stay behind. Rest we go. And that afternoon we thought, well, what we'll do is we get up really early the next morning, see if we could do them. That afternoon. So we've had to edit it as though it's... Mm. They said, quickly, we're going to go out here. Um, you've travelled so many incredible countries like Japan, Russia. Where's next on your hit list? And is it a case of you kind of decide and then maybe ITV like, oh, oh, would you like to do a show? We always take it to ITV, who always generously, so far, they haven't said you're sacked. So they'll <laughs> say next time we go along. And we'll put something, just nudge it across the table. As we haven't nudged the next one, which our little production company and crew have decided we think would be nice. I can't tell you. <sighs> Is it, um, okay. But I think you'd like it. <laughs> I think the world would like it, because it's interesting. We all know about it and probably haven't been there. And then another one, I want to do a giant. I want to do another giant, which would be the Silk Road, if I can do that. I mean, I'm getting on now. The Silk Road. Sort of from China to kind of Istanbul. Oh, wow. And the Silk Road took all kinds of different routes, right down or right across the biggest desert in the world, or through here or places like Urumqi, through Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, mm. through Turkmenistan and Tajikistan and... So All the stans I didn't know. The stans you never <laughs> knew still existed. And you can skirt around, it's okay. It's okay and I'd love to do, I'd love to do Iran. We nearly did Iran and then they just at the last minute pulled our visas. And, but I think we're back on good terms and we could do Iran now. So the, the world is there waiting. I'm excited. Um, when you get home after a long trip, what's the first thing you would do? I always unpack as fast as I can. The danger is, is that you're tired. And 
the stuff you've lugged, quite a lot of it is old, dirty clothes because you've never kept caught up with the washing. Mm. I mean, girls are easy. We can wash socks and pants and bras quite easily. Chaps can't do shirts. You can't do trousers and things like this in time. Sometimes we've tied them to jeeps. They're like <laughs> flags hanging out of windows to try to get them dry, or you put them on wet. But usually there's that sort of shaking the sand out mm. of your stuff. But I'm quite good, even when, I, even when I'm sleeping in tents. I try to unpack and get everything ready. Don't think, oh, I'll find that in the middle of the night. Get it ready. It sits there all the way And so the first thing I do is unpack and put stuff ready, you know, for the wash. Get all the presents out that I knew I wanted to bring and look at them. Yes. <laughs> Gives them far too soon, you know. You get say that for a birthday present. Oh, I'll give it to you yes. now. <laughs> you know, um, and eat lettuce. That's lettuce. The thing I miss most. Really? Mm. Little gem lettuces. I could eat about twenty. I don't know why. I just love things that crunch. It's full of water. And quite often you don't get crunchy, crunchy. Mm. You'll get tomatoes, but you won't get lettuce. Yeah. Lettuce is quite a hard thing to come by. When I was on my desert island, that's all I could dream of. Really? Mm. So when I came back off that, I ate lettuce for about five days. That's all I could eat. <laughs> Especially like a little rabbit now. Nibbling on lessons. Um, What's your guilty CV pleasure? Tell me the name of it again. The watching brides getting cross about it. Don't tell the brides. Oh, yes. You watch that. Brilliant. (laughs) I adore it. The boys are... I think they're all egged on to do like that. I think they must be egged on. They think of such ghastly places for their women who they know will hate it. Mm. They don't want to be married (laughs) on the side of a motorbike track or something. And the girls will demand things. They go, I simply insist on having a dress like this. I don't know what he's going to get me, but I really will not marry him if he doesn't get me a dress like this. And then you cut to him looking at his budget. He'd much rather spend that on beer for his mates and on the dress. And I'm kind of going like this. The bridesmaids' dresses. I mean, some of them, I just think it's paradise. So that's my guilty pleasure. Okay, so the BAFTA Fellowship. Ah, awesome. Abfab, hugely successful. Whoa. Kissing Leonardo DiCaprio. Thank you. Working alongside George yes. Clooney <laughs> and Dalai Lama. I know. How do you top this? I know what you do next. I know. What next? What, what can, can what you can do? be next? <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, and that's just like in the last couple of years or something. I know. It's, it's really extraordinary. Years. I mean, talk about George Clooney. Talk about the shock waves of charm. It was literally like a soft tornado had been thrown over. <laughs> Even the big, hunky kind of technic technicians and electricians and chaps all go. My picture taken with George Clooney. Everybody was, he was enchanting. So those boys, the both of them, courteous, perfect manners, friendly, teaches you how to be. Mm. <clears throat> and the Dalai Lama. The ultimate. Yeah. And finally, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given and you've carried with you and you pass on? First thing you do to anybody is smile at them. And secondly, have an open heart. Don't prejudge everything. Don't go, oh, it's not like this at home. Of course it's not. Oh, we don't eat this at home. Of course you don't, you know. Mm. We don't do that at home. Sure you don't. This is travelling. Keep an open heart, open heart, open mind. Perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, Thank you. So that was Joan Alumni talking to Kay Ribeiro. Um, of course you, I mean, you would giggle, wouldn't you? I know. And also, can you believe how much she loves lettuces? She she lettuce, eats. Is that lettuces? Is that the official plural? Lettuce. Yeah, lettuce. 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 Not lettuce. I would be a singular lettuce no, and lettuce. Or is it like sheep? Lettuce. Yeah. Wait, it's just lettuce. I brought five lettuce. 
Mm, four lettuce. But why five would lettuce? you bring five lettuce? Well, I wouldn't. Well, so Joanna Lummy could eat them. Yeah, she eats true. them all at such that's a volume true. of them. Anyway, that's enough lettuce. She's, she was obviously she's a delight. She 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 sounds incredible. I've, we we I interviewed her together with um, Thingy from Ab- Jennifer Ab- Saunders. Thanks, Jennifer Saunders, and they were incredible together. But she's obviously a, she an incredible is, woman. Honestly, her voice as well. Don't you think she could do anything? She could yeah. do a Veruca commercial, oh. and I would buy that product, even she, though I don't need it. She's such a pro. She's when we shot her for that Abfab thing, mm. she was just up to anything. She, she really was. Just, yeah, that's she true. just as yeah. soon as the camera's there, she just switches it on and she's just brilliant. And then when the camera goes off, she's really lovely. Yeah, she was uh, she was adorable. Yeah. And this so, documentary is yeah. Like, we should so we should review. Jo- we've all watched it. Joanna Lumley's India mm-hmm. starting next Wednesday, July the fifth, on ITV at nine o'clock. It's 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 a classic celebrity travelogue on one level, isn't it? But I did think it was better than that. I thought it was much better. The thing that makes this so amazing is that Joanna Lumley has got a sincere appreciation of absolutely everything, and they, and it just is eking out of the screen. So what I really liked about it was it's a little bit like, um, you know, Simon Reeves, he does all those mm. excellent travel programs. So it's like a little dash of that. It was a little bit, who do you think you are? It's like all these great programs rolled into one. I and mean, it's all because of her personality. She's so warm and loving towards everyone she meets. You just, you would literally go anywhere with Joanna Lumley, wouldn't you? So we should say the reason why you, Steph's comparing it to who do you think you are is because she goes back to where her mum grew up as a kid. Yeah. And in the show, she like... She has reads she has- letters that her grandfather wrote to the Maharaja and it's really emotional. And she's and got like- all these old photos and it's just, it's like she's letting you into her life, which is really lovely. And she's, you really feel, not sound too cliche, you really feel like you are on that journey with her. Yeah. I, what I liked about it most was that she keeps it real. So a lot in, a lot of these travelogue type things are very, very slick. And you think, you know, they've filmed this thing 5,000 times to get the right moment where yeah. so-and-so Michael Palin... I mean, I love Michael Palin. I'm just plucking Oh, I do out. like yeah, MP. I'm just saying, you know, you get them looking at a sunset somewhere. The thing opens with her in this bathing place with all these people that are celebrating something or other. I can't remember mm. what it is. Mm. And um, she, her hair is blowing in the wind. She's trying <laughs> to keep her hat on, the hair. And it's all kind of a bit awkward and a bit clumsy, but they keep it all in. Or they when she goes up to the mountains right. and it's covered by mist and she's yes. like, oh, I would have loved to have seen this. Oh, it's yeah. so annoying. Or when yeah. she goes to join find the elephants and she goes, unfortunately, Yes, yeah. I mean that's making it today. sound like it's really crap. You don't see anything. <laughs> no, but she doesn't see a mountain. She doesn't see the elephant, and the hair doesn't get better. Yeah, but you do see some grey elephants though. That's and the hair then is you fabulous. Do. Then you do. But what I mean is, it's, it's 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 definitely like a great thing that she's clearly gone right. I'm keeping it real. I'm not going to reshoot stuff just for the sake of it. I'm going to do everything off the cuff and talk to the talk to you know, presumably the producer, director, mm. whoever, and the camera and us, the viewer. And it's really, and I, I thought it was really, I thought that was the best mm. thing about it. And there's a great bit where she, it's not just kind of fluffy and and nostalgic. There's a great bit where she talks to the trans. That's a really transgender community. Yeah. yeah, which is uh, of Calcutta, is it? Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's really kind of interesting and quite moving and quite sad. I think it's, she can talk to anyone. So mm. she's she can talk to a Maharaja. Like, that makes her really like, sound naff, but like she, she can. She can talk to anyone, like someone living in a slum, to like this, and she just throws herself into everything. So like she's very respectful, but she is very game. So like she's eating with her hands. She's going on a motorbike. You know, she's just basically a legend and I love her. Mm. So clearly, yeah. Do you think hey. I can become best friends with her? Didn't she write in your book? Didn't you? Did yeah, you write she did. What did she write in your book? Something lovely. Um, she, well, because I'm obviously of Indian parents, and she was born. Well, this in is India. radio, so no one can yeah. tell okay. that you're yeah. obviously. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going out on the radio. It's po- podcasting. Maybe. No, well, she mentions in the audio that I've got Indian parents, but anyway, she said, um, uh, "2K, a fellow daughter of India, lucky us, oh. love Joanna." Oh. So I think See, that, that sums means, her up, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you get a phone number? I mean, listen, I'm waiting for the text, okay. Joe. So I've got a feeling this is going to get some high star ratings. K, how oh, many stars? Oh, it's five all the way for me. It is brilliant. Stephanie Seelan. 
I'm giggling for some reason. You can't even bring yourself. Are <laughs> you I, emotional about this? I am. It was wonderful. Five. I'm going to give it four. Oh, it was great. Why do you hate Joe London? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? 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 Why would it? No, you right, you're on a Christmas card list. I'm what? partly giving it four because I'm going to go very high on the other show, so I don't want okay, to be fine. like. Okay, But don't. Well, she shouldn't be penalised just because other people have made yeah. good shows. She is being penalised. Oh my god. <laughs> furious. <laughs> Furious. Absolutely furious. There'll be words. You're going very high pitched. <laughs> what was the? Po- you know I'm cross. Yeah. I mean the pogs will cope. People on the ground. They. The, do you know what the pogs? Okay. <laughs> yeah. They would all be going. Oh, they'd all be watching Joanna Lumley having their tea and going. Oh, isn't she great? Oh, oh we don't we want her to go to India. <laughs> they will. You're right. Um, let's move on to. So that's Joanna Lumley's India is on ITV from next Wednesday at nine o'clock. The Windsors starts the same night. Wednesday the 5th of July. Luckily, it's on at 10 o'clock on Channel 4, so you can watch Joe Lum. Then if you want a laugh, even more of a laugh, there are laughs in Joe Lum's programme, you can watch... This is the second series of the, what can only be described as satirical comedy mm. show depicting the royal family. Um, and among the stars are Harry Enfield playing Prince Charles, Hayden Gwynn plays Camilla, Morgana Robinson, the great Morgana, plays Pippa, Hugh Skinner, my favourite, plays Prince William. Oh, he is great. He's brilliant. Katie Wicks plays Fergie. Um, and there's a new character, of course, um, Megan. Megan's in it. Oh. Megan Markle. So to keep it very up to date. And um, have you seen this pro show before? No, Steph? I haven't seen it before. Okay, do you seen it before? No. Are we call- oh, this is the Virgin Viewer slot. Yeah. Thank God that's back. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're all missing it, everyone. Yeah, we were really, really missing <laughs> Don't it. Don't worry. Catherine Drysdale <laughs> plays Megan Markle, by the way. So it's kind of like, um, how to describe it? It's, cr- it's written by the co creator Do you remember Star Stories on Channel 4? Yeah. Which was oh, great. Right, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? So that was like a half hour, very broad comedy where they would make fun of a celebrity they did Robbie Williams one week they did um, Paul McCartney remember when he was married to that horrible I was in I was, I when he was married to that horrible lady yeah Heather Mills Heather, Heather Mills. Mills so they I did that she hasn't got a leg Nice to her. <laughs> she has got a leg. She's, she's only got, got one. one. She's only got one, yeah. I know. When you say she hasn't got any, she has got one leg. She's, she's got, got one leg to stand on. Yeah. And she did Dancing on Ice with that. She did. Yeah. Anyway, I, my claim is famous. I played her lawyer <gasps> in the Star Stories episode about them, about Paul McCartney. How You're kidding. Oh, I'm not what? kidding. You played yeah. Heather Mills' yes. lawyer in Star Stories. I did a set Stories. visit and, I, and they said, you can be in it if you want. You can be Heather Mills' lawyer. And I had to sit there. Well, let's just in this say scene. it now. You're too good yep. for this podcast. You yep. need to go and find know, other television work. So, Bert Tyler Moore and George Jeffrey created Star Stories, and this is their. This is a, it's kind of like has that Star Stories vibe to it. Of it's very silly, um, it's kind of fun, and it's preposterous, and that's kind of the whole point of it. Kay Rivera, what did you think? I really, really, really enjoyed this. I found it so funny. I was like chortling at my desk. Will I think is one of the best characters in it, which is yeah. who's that guy? Uh, Hugh Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. And also Charles and Camilla. They're great. Yeah. Harry Enfield and I Hayden, Gwynn. Hayden Gwynn. Um, why didn't I know about this before? It's just so funny and so like. Oh, I did tell you about it before, like many things. You often ignore <laughs> me. Yeah. Just not like listening, the, yeah. like, the, like the baby driver. Like the baby driver, baby driver. Oh. Yeah, exactly. oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, it's maybe it's time you take, pay more attention. I am. To I'm, what gonna, I said. I'm gonna start listening to you. Yeah. Hey, as of today, I'm gonna good. start listening. Good. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. And Meghan Markle as the humble TV actress and. When she keeps on going, that suits 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 because she's in suits, but she says yeah. it in this very funny way, which I'm making it sound very unfunny. Um, but also, one of my favourite parts was um, uh, Prince Charles when he's finally managed to have sex. We should set it up actually, shouldn't we? So basically, uh, Theresa May comes into the yes, show. Yes, storyline. Yeah, yes. as if torn from the headlines. Yeah, mm. she. Um, she wants the Chinese to come over for a, a visit to Buckingham Palace, wants Charles and Camilla to host the lunch. And Charles is very opposed to it because, of, you know, of these ecological reasons and he's not 
Dutchie originals. Yeah, he's not into no. it at all. And Camilla wants him to do it purely so that she can be friends with Theresa May and have her first female friend. Yeah. Um, and so she abstains from sex with Charles till he does it. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna. This is a spoiler, and I don't mind revealing it. They do have sex, and one of the best lines is afterwards. He goes, "Well, that's cleared the custard." <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly brilliant. I Steph. think I I also thought this was I was have to say do you remember when you made us watch that terrible Arthur Strong which I was like oh god it's awful the I was like, Arthur I Strong. thought oh god still we're, going we're strong going on Fridays down, BBC One we're going down Arthur Strong Street again that's what I thought and then Arthur Strong I, Alley yeah that's what I thought and then I thought it was hilarious I mean yeah. I am a big lover of Harry Enfield mm. but I think Morga- Morgana yeah. as Pippa is yeah. standout for me she's so so funny but didn't you think so Hugh Skinner who plays Wills, who who was in Fleabag? He played. He always. He kind of often plays posh doofuses. He, cause, I mean, he, is he does very it very posh. well. He's, he's, he does it incredibly <laughs> well. Um, he also played a posh doofus in the last. He was a Poldark as well. Ah. Poldark fan. So he's brilliant at it. But he, my favourite scenes in this world when he's pretend. He thinks he's being normal. Like he takes the kids to the park mm. and the nanny. He's dealing, he treats everyone with with disdain. But he thinks he's being perfectly normal. Mm. He thinks he's bringing the modern, bringing the moral family up to date. Not being like being a modern dad. Being a modern dad. And he's pathetic, <laughs> and he's just treating everyone with a huge amount of it, uh, it, superiority. Talking about typecast, Richard Goulding is he like professional Prince Harry now? Yes, he was, he in, King Harry, Char- he was yeah. in King Charles III. He did play as, Harry, as Prince Harry, which it yeah. must be weird for him. Yeah, yeah. All he does now is play Harry. It is odd, isn't it? It's very clever how, like you said, you alluded to, torn from the headlines. I, I think it's very clever how they've they've done that whole mm. thing with Ther- Theresa May. Um, when do they write it? How does it? Well, I think actually they must have they must have written it, you know, a few months ago and mm. filmed it a few months ago. But and in fact, in a way, the Theresa May element feels slightly out of date because now, of course, in this she's quite a powerful figure, yeah. and what she says goes. Now, of course, she's completely powerless. I know, but in her mind, she's still powerful, probably. So yeah, that's true. It, when she was, yeah. if she was visiting the Queen now, yeah. which she obviously had to do to say, "Can I form Parliament?" Yeah. Um, then she probably does still have that air of. I think the Queen would uh, not bow to any of her ludicrous. Liz is not receiving Theresa. No. Anyway, that's the episode one of the Windsors. Um, next week, Channel 4, next Wednesday, 10 o'clock. How many stars, Steph Cena, are you going to give it? I'm going to give it four stars, mostly because the other thing that's really funny in it is that Fergie comes in and she's got an invention <laughs> called the right, the right Royal Juicer that she's trying to flog. And I believe that that is actually probably true. Yeah. And it's a good product. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, I'm going to give it four. Solid four. It's very funny. And um, if you think, I think you'll get even more outrageous as time goes on. Mm, very good. Let me just say that. In sharp contrast, The Leftovers is back for its third and final season on Sky Atlantic from next Tuesday. And it's also, that it's arriving at 10 o'clock and they're showing the first two episodes. Also, on that very night, you can watch the whole bloody thing. You can binge on the oh, whole season. Oh, the whole season, yeah. Three. So if they make the, I think quite cleverly because fans of the leftovers, British fans who haven't illegally downloaded it, not that any of us would ever do anything no, like do that, that. Boy, have been finished. waiting for a while because it finished on HBO in America a while ago, a few weeks ago, and they've been like, why isn't it? Where is it? They've been complaining. That's what they do. But there's a reason for it. Sky have been waiting so we can now all watch it all in one go, which I think is going to be a huge pleasure, a huge joy. So I've watched two or three of this series. Have you watched the leftovers before? Okay, so here's my relationship with the leftovers. Um, I watched the first series mm. and I, that was enough. Was it? And I didn't watch the second series and yeah. obviously now I've watched this, I feel like a lot of stuff must have happened in the second season <laughs> yes. because I have got no idea what's happening in this right. one. Right, Kay, have you okay. watched it before? My, I haven't watched any of it so right. it was completely you clueless and bewildered. 
let's say that if you haven't uh, heard of it, this was featured in, and we did a feature in Heat last week called um, The Best Shows No One's Watching. And that was obviously... Some people are watching it, but mm. the exaggerated headline was a reference to the fact that, you know, a lot of people haven't even heard of some of these shows. And I think probably some listeners won't have heard of The Leftovers because it was series one and two. Series one was very depressing. So it's about uh, this world. It's based on this novel by Tom Perotta, and it's co-created by a guy who co-created Lost and uh, Damon Lindelof. And it's set in the world oh, great where... great surname. Yeah, it's a good surname. Where 2% of the world's population suddenly disappeared on October the 14th, 2011... No one knows why. I propose nothing and a random. It was a random. They just, yeah, they were random. That's terrifying. Yeah. And it was called The Sudden Departure. Mm. The show, Series One, started a few years after that event and is set in this kind of small town where the chief of police, played by Justin Theroux, and the whole community is kind of dealing with it. And there's this, um, there's a whole crazy religious cult that comes up. There's another, Matt Jameson, played by Christopher Eccleston, is a former reverend, and he's there kind of kind of being quite semi-religious. His sister, played by the brilliant Carrie Coon, who that ends up now is going out with is seeing um, seeing Justin through his character, is a key figure in it. So it's, it's about kind of how, how does this huge loss affect the world and affect this small community? Series two, just sorry, series two went went down a much more. I think series one was so downbeat and depressing. Yeah. People, it, people found I, it, series two was a massive step up. Was it? Yeah, because oh, there was a lot more. It. it was a lot more. It was there was a change of pace. There was a change of location. It was a lot much weirder, stranger, interesting things mm. happened. It was funnier. It was, it was quite oh. darkly funny. It got really weird towards the end. So Justin Theroux's character dies and comes back to life like oh. various times. Yeah, and Jesus he's, he's, becomes this. Is like he, yeah, is your isn't he this kind of like Jesus figure? You know, and it's almost not now about solving the. It's not really about the mystery of the two percent of people disappearing. It's just about. What does that mean to all these people, and how did they, what effect does it have? What, so you, you may have been mystified, but what did you think of what you saw of season three, the last ever well, series be- of The Leftovers? Because I watched the first series, and I actually really, really liked mm. her series. I love Mr. Jennifer Aniston. I think he's great. Um, but I thought that the way that this opened, I thought it was incredibly strange because yeah. actually even though it is odd that two percent of the population would disappear if you watch the first series you're like it's not that odd in television talk is it it's like oh you've got these people and they've all disappeared and then then it's just about how they disappeared it does get a bit weird because this it's the guilty remnant aren't they the people yeah. who and there's these people all dressed in white and they smoke all the time and they don't speak and what they did in the first series is they started gathering other people from the town who hadn't disappeared oh into so what that's all thing. about okay yeah mm. That's quite an important thing. So when this started, because this opens on... An yeah, let's say... Yeah, so I, I warned Kay, as she was about to settle down next to me to watch it, I warned Kay that the opening was nothing to do with the rest of the show. So it's a bit like... It's a, like a 70s religious channel programme. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks so like. So series three, episode one, opens with a parable, effectively. This this kind of opening... There's a, a, there's a song playing, a 70s song playing, mm. and there's a parable set in, I think, the 1700s yeah. of this community and, and people making forecasts of what might be happening. And it's not literally anything to do... It's thematically to do with the show itself, but it's a completely separate little thing. And, it, you know, it reminded me a bit of... American Gods. American Gods, yeah, exactly. That's what I said to Kay. Mm. So American Gods often opened with, like, a kind of five, six-minute yeah. thing that was thematically connected to 
it, but not literally unconnected mm. to the rest of the show. So you it's had to contend with that. bewildering if you haven't yeah. watched the show. I, I, I have like, seen series one. I don't know what. I can't, I can't even imagine what you what is going through your mind. What today. is this? What are they wearing? <laughs> yeah. So there's that opening set in the 1700s. Then it comes. Then it comes. Arrives at the present day very subtly, actually. Mm. And then there's a where you're seeing the people who are in that um, cult, religious cult. Then they're destroyed then they're in the destroyed. first first minute yeah. by Liv some kind Tyler, of government gone. drone. Liv Tyler gone. So that that they've clearly the government's tried to destroy this cult. That's hap- this is all happens in the first like this is not a spoiler. It all happens in the first five it minutes does. of the show. And from then on, we're then back to Justin through his back as as a Kevin kind of Garvey, chief, chief of Kevin, police yeah. of the community. Carrie Coon, who is absolutely brilliant. Carrie Coon, who is in Gone Girl. Do you remember Gone Girl playing yeah. Ben Affleck's sister? She's absolutely effing brilliant, yeah. I think. She's also in this country as a Fargo. Oh, is she? Total legend. And she had, she, episode two of this series is kind of all about her, really. She investigates mm. this weird thing going on. But did you find anything? Did you Could you cling to anything? I could. I've, <laughs> I, I, I clung a lot to a lot of stuff, but I felt like I wasn't properly getting the full gist of yeah. it like all the stuff that was happening like I really love Justin Three's character I mean not least because I've suddenly developed this enormous crush on him oh he is hot oh my god you he's need to beyond watch the first he's like he's on the list now in the I mean he's naked in it he'll be pleased to know yeah. that yeah and the, quite, the, the, the camera almost fetishises his body actually isn't it because he's got all these tats yeah rightly so about and time it, and he's obviously incredibly like six back but it, throughout the whole series it's, he's been we saw he's his, been we see his bum twice yeah. I will say that and I I counted for the listeners mm. Um, but yeah, no, he's. Why is he so angry? That's what I want to ask. Right. So the thing is, is that in the first series, he, so his his basically his life falls apart in the first series. So he was li- living kind of a conventional life with his mm. daughter and wife, and it just all goes wrong. That's kind of why he's so angry, oh, and okay. because everyone's always angry at him. But I, I have to say, I don't think, and I watched the first series. I think you've got to. I don't think you can't go into series three. You have to watch one, two, and three. What, what, what we I don't think. know is because we watched this on the HBO preview site. So this is going to be on Sky Atlantic, as I said from from next week. And but I, I, I think I'm sure there'll be a recap at the beginning, but some kind that, of recap. There was no need, recap at all. But for boy, that would need to viewers. be like 45 minutes recap. <laughs> Probably, but even some kind of recap would help, wouldn't it? Yeah. The bewildered to a start. But I, oh, I, I needed some you. York notes. For if sure. you can, if you, it's all, it is all on. So the box sets are all on Sky box sets. But the first series and is good, so you should watch it. It you is a good series. Yeah. If you have time, listeners, if you have time to watch 20 episodes, was it? Yeah, I think it is 20 episodes in time for this, this final season. I urge you to do so because it's worth it. Because all I wanted to say was, it is, I, I mean, it is one of the greatest TV shows of our time. Oh, really? So it's. And I, I think you're right about series one. I, I wasn't that series one. I, I liked it, but I actually kind of one of those shows where after a few episodes, I stopped watching it because it was like I thought it was repetitive, and it was making I, the same point. You, but yeah. I think that I think it's a bit pedestrian. But you could get into yeah. it. And there's also an episode that happens. I think it's episode eight off the top of my head, maybe where it suddenly is an amazing episode. Then series two is so it's I such a massive step two. up. Right. So you know, definitely watch series two, and then you will get you can what you could actually probably don't have to watch series one. You watch series two, then you get to this point. And it's so rich and dense mm. and there's so much going on. It's so thought-provoking. And it's, you know, it's about, it's kind of about religion. It's about faith. He's, well, part of the reason why he's so troubled and disturbed is because he has died and, and, and been I mean, resurrected. I it's, mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, that's going to play on your mind. It's going to play on your mind. <laughs> so at various points, he, he puts this paper bag over his head to almost, you think he's going to commit suicide, but he's just doing it. It's not it paper, it's plastic. plastic. sorry. It's plastic he's doing and it's that really weird. Because he wants to, uh, he, you know, it's kind of give him some kind of, visceral thrill 
or whatever reason, not even fully explained, but you're like, why is he doing that? Um, and it's and he's also being troubled by all these doofuses, all these religious doofuses around him. Christopher Eccleston's character, we find out, is right. This first episode is called the mm-hmm. Book of Kevin. Kevin. He's writing a book about him, like almost like a New Testament thing yeah. about Justin through his character being maybe you know some kind of Jesus figure. Well, so this whole Jesus thing. So my thing about it, because the guy. The lost guy, okay. Yeah. Damon Lindelof. Right, the so he's the writer, okay. I mean, it's all people who watch Lost. It's all a bit echoey of Lost, isn't it? With well, John. it isn't, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, the John Locke bit. The yes. John Locke bit, oh, that's totally, what which is the best thing about Lost, yeah, isn't it? That yeah, that he is kind of this, you yeah, know... Correct, yes, I agree. God figure. Yeah. Um, so my question is, is yeah. that why hasn't he come up with a new idea? Because it, Oh, uh, harsh. Well, well, see, this is what I would say is... I that's think it's a big def- thing. That's I think a big it's the character. anti-Lost. Because I, I I loved Lost at the beginning, yeah. and when I went, I watched all six series of it, and famously it ended on a for me. I hated that mm. finale. Off the boil. Terrible. Mm. It just didn't explain. Jump really. the shark. Just it, no. It just didn't really explain what it always promised to explain. Which you know, it set up the mystery of that island mm. and what was going on there. And it didn't really explain it. It kind of brought in a, a sideways parallel further mystery do you remember in the final season yeah. explain that and they didn't really go back and explain the main I issue I think after season 3 Lost was completely off the boil okay right what I'm saying is this is not about interesting so this because we get, we get to see the season finale and I haven't watched it yet I've been waiting to mm. watch it on my big TV but everyone in America said it was perfect <laughs> and even though apparently it's not okay. going to explain why the hell the 2% of these right. people disappeared well, but it's not that's about annoying. that. Yeah, but it's not about that. It's not about the mystery. It's oh, not a mystery. Absolutely. It's the anti-loss because it's about what the effect has been on everyone. And, it, and we're going to see the final effect that it's had on everyone, all these characters that we've grown to know. No, it, it's not the be anti-loss because they, they didn't explain, and this is not going to explain. Listen, but they don't Linda, need to Linda face. You need to start explaining <laughs> some shit because... <laughs> Damon Loss. I'm not going to gonna keep watching your shows if you don't get to an explanation. Sorry. Well, just, that's get the ready. Way it is. I don't think I, as far as I hear, I mean, I haven't. I've tried to avoid spoilers. I haven't watched the final episode, but as far as I'm aware, they're not going to fully explain it. That's, oh, that's don't you not hate the point it when it. shows do that? I like no, it when because it's nice not conclusion. because it's made it quite clear all the way through. I think that it's not about that. So I think it's fine. I think it's fine. We're gonna have, we're gonna fall out of this, aren't we? Just got to enjoy less. it as you go along. Yeah. Right. It's an incredible show. I think it's like it's apps. It's got stuff that you'll never see anywhere else on TV, yeah. and it's five stars, and everyone has oh. to watch it. Wow. I'm giving it four and a half stars, and that half star is purely for Justin through. <laughs> I'm going to give it four stars. I think I need to go back and watch the second series. Okay. But do I think we should t- say to listeners to watch the first series because that's a good series. Well, I've already said they could watch as long as they watch the second. Yeah, but I want which them is to much watch better. All of oh, no, Just no, watch cancel all of it. If your you've, plans. Listen, if you're going to commit, commit. If you've for got God's sake. if you've got twenty hours, please God watch first and second series. If you've got ten, just watch the second. No, if you... But at least watch the second, and then you can watch all the episodes of Series Three next Tuesday on Sky. Atlantic. Well, if you've got twenty Sky hours, box sets. if you've got twenty hours, and you want to do the second series, then you can watch the second series, and then you can do ten hours of Riverdale, and then you can all come on and talk oh, about it with me. Don't because bring these two losers haven't done it still. You've got to let Riverdale go. <sighs> let it go, girl. Angry. Let's move on finally to Okja. Okja. Oh. A film by Bong Joon-ho, no less. The esteemed uh, director Mm. of many a fantastic film. He's a legend 
in Korea, I believe. Um, he's directed lots of excellent things, and including a film called Snowpiercer. His last major film was called Snowpiercer. Have you heard of Snowpiercer? No. Yet to be released in any form really? in this country. It's an outrage. Is it, is Let it, me just say. Is it like an art thing where it's you, a brilliant, you've got the title, you just have to think about the film? It's a huge, big film. It's set, on this, set in the future world, and it's about set on the board this incredible, super fast train where the rich people are at one end and the poor people are at the other, and it's absolutely brilliant. I've got an import DVD of it. But <gasps> you literally legal? cannot... It, 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 yeah, I bought oh, it. Right, I bought okay. it. Yeah, it's not illegal. Well, you, can but, buy, you can buy things that are illegal. Well, you can, yeah. <gasps> um, Come on. Anyway, so he, <laughs> Territory. A, this is his first big film. It's a Netflix film, so I think it's actually going to be out in some cinemas very briefly, so that it qualifies for like BAFTAs and Oscars and stuff. But it's on Netflix from tomorrow, listeners, and it's one of their big. It was shown at Cannes. It was, you know, there's a big controversy at Cannes mm. because it was in the competition at Cannes, and people were annoyed that it's only being shown on TV and not properly in cinema. It's not getting a proper cinema release. So the Cannes oh, snooty McGooseys are up in the air. <laughs> It's um, screenplays by Bong Joon with my friend John Ronson, the legendary John Ronson, who I did two moonwalks with. I've walked 24 miles with him twice. You've walked 24 miles with this man. Yeah, and he's co-written the screenplay. It stars Tilda Swinton as this... Do you want to describe the story or do you want me... I I can describe it. Okay, so... Tilda Swinton plays the CEO of um, a company called Mirando Corporations and she is, for all intents and purposes, the child that is constantly trying to impress and has never been able to. But she's taken over this business and she's got a plan. And the plan is super pigs. She is going to solve world hunger by raising super pigs and it's going to be, she's telling everyone, not genetically modified food, Okay. So she, and she, t- she does a huge press conference and says, in 10 years, you're gonna, this is all going to come to fruition. We're sending out 26 of these super pigs to local farmers. And in 10 years, you will see literally the meat of my labor, so to speak. A competition. Super a competition. pig idol, if you will. Super pig idol, yes. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal stars as the, the fun-loving <laughs> animal expert um, in it. But, He's what? like a he's a TV he's star. He's a TV this star. Is thing. He, he's, this a is TV a, scientist. We'll, we'll get to. The, but he's it's a maverick performance. Isn't it, it is but a he, maverick performance. This guy is a celebrity that he's playing, like a fictionalized wildlife TV presenter who's a yeah. celebrity both in real life and particularly in his own head. Carry on. But uh, one of these super pigs, who is called Okja, yeah. goes and lives with this delightful little girl Mija, yeah. um, and lives on this lovely in this lovely mountain top and has a, a wonderful life until the day the ten years comes. And they, Jake Gyllenhaal climbs up the mountain. In mad Korea. Cap, mad cap Jake Gyllenhaal climbs up the mountain and pronounces that her pig, Okja, is the winner of the super pig competition. And then they take Pandemonium the super pig. ensues. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to give away too many no. spoilers. No, it gets dark quickly. Yeah. I think that that's kind of first 15 Good. minutes, first which, is, minutes our, which yeah. is our rule. There's also, yeah, there's also, I just want to mention, Paul Dano plays, there is a, there's a kind of animal liberation group Alf. headed by Paul Dano. Um, where they try, they bring, they try and be really nice to people. Actually, they're they're they're, they're quite yeah. dark as well, and they're they're trying to rescue Okja, um, and they have their own plan. And I thought one of the funniest things is does it, uh, um, does it happen in the first? No, minute? it doesn't. Oh, should I but, not spoil that? There's a really funny yeah. bit where they try and convince Maya, I think is her name, is the, the Ma- teenage. I thought it was Major. I think M-E-G- it's M-E-G- 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 I think it's Maya Mia, whatever. Anyway, let's not get let's not fall out over it. Her actress name is An Xiaohyun. 
and she's phenomenal. She's 13 years old. Yeah, she's a child actress in South Korea. She's an absolute genius. So they try, the, the Animal Rescue Fund is trying to rescue Okja, and she's also trying to get rescue Okja mm-hmm. from the evil American corporation. They try and convince her that their plan is the best plan. The the translator who tries to tell her what their plan is, she says, no, I don't want to go with that plan. And he lies and tells the rescue group that she's agreed to it. <laughs> yeah. That was such a funny... Like dark, funny, terrible. I scenes. actually rewound that because I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah. did he try?" Right. What? It it's, was so good. It's so so clever. We should also say so. Production company behind this is Plan B, which yes. is Brad Pitt's production company. Little fact that he got that in the divorce from Jennifer Aniston. It's one he? he set up with yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. Good fact. He um, he got Plan B. She got the Malibu house. That is an actual fact. That's a good fact. Um, but as we know, Brad Pitt likes to put his uh, production company behind kind of film films with a political message mm. delivered in a dark comic way and this is absolutely it's, that isn't it it's definitely a meat is murder vegan yeah. Oof, message yeah. isn't it do you feel like i mean i don't need as you know Kay, i don't need meat <laughs> and i don't yeah. either it's a veggie action film it's a ve- it's a it's a veggie action film Kay's smiling at me i do listeners i actually do eat fish and he's, chicken no we're both pseudo vegetarians but boyd always says he's vegetarian Quasi, but he says he eats chicken i'm like you know that's not vegetarian isn't there, isn't there a word right? for like pescatarian or something pescatarian no, flexitarian flexitarian anyway yeah, okay did this film, it is kind of part, I mean, it's like a weird mix, isn't it? It's partly like anti-meat-eating diatribe. It's yeah, partly anti-corporate corporations, diatribe. Yeah. It's like the, it's, um, the West kind of like yeah. um, abusing the East, you know, like yeah. kind of... It's almost like a Roald Dahl-esque, almost like children's parable, well. but yet there's swearing in it. There's the effing and jeffing in mm. it. There's the Jake Gyllenhaal weird TV celebrity wildlife character thing that's just... His most demented performance ever, I think. Oh, his most amazing! I um, loved off, it. Did you? So some was, people would think he's terrible in it. Oh no, I th- no, but he was meant to be that. Right. Like he, he was fantastic. And there's this incredible mix of all this stuff, isn't it? So, what but, do we think? But at the heart of it is yes. Okja. Yes, of course. At the heart this of it is huge CGI huge pig. Beautiful. Which do you know what? Right, because CGI pigs, mm. you'd think of Babe, right? Quite cute pig. This is yeah. not like a super cute pig, but it is one that you fall in love with. Right. Yeah. I'm going to give you two words now. Charismatic megafauna. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, so what this is, is what these film people do, Disney, so they make... It's, it's what they do to these animals and to make them unbearably cute to us so we feel sorry for them. Oh. And that is what has happened in this. This is a, a what is huge. That? What do you mean? What's that process? What, so basically, it's it? just that's what it's called. Oh, okay. They've used charismatic megafauna. They've taken a, a, this pig that you might think is not that attractive, but actually, just by its like little art, a little cute little eyes. No, do you know what? Snout. I didn't find any of its physicality cute. Oh. What I found, what made it cute for me, was the relationship between Mija, Mika, whatever, Maya, <laughs> Maya, 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 the little Maya. Korean girl, and the super pig. That the tender moments between those two, like she falls asleep in the like the like recesses of it her neck because the mm. pig is a female by the way she's yeah. a sow yeah. um, her neck and like their little relationship and that's what made it really yeah the first 10 minutes cute. is almost like a, I said uh, it was enchanting didn't yeah, it? It's a, in the first it's 10 minutes almost wordless 10 minutes which is just her frolicking around with oh, it's Ocha, the giant pig, and it's, yeah. isn't it which is just and it rescues her yeah. she, she falls <laughs> she falls down a mountain yes. nearly to her death and this beautiful Big super pig rescues her. Yes. I mean, I don't. I just. I'm surprised you don't think it's cute. It, I think it's. Oh, it's absolutely no, I, no, I said it was I cute. That's exactly what I said. It was yeah. cute. I think she started by she was saying not literally cute because it's it's you know it's but then you go to love it quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm surprised yeah. you don't think it's literally cute <laughs> right. looking. It's got like a really lovely nose. 
It's adorable. And big ears. It's so cute. And you love elephants. It looks a bit like an elephant. <laughs> look, I think it looks like a hippopotamus. It's adorable. So, apart from the, the uh, super, super fauna, super fauna? I really liked... The ke- Mika. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call. It, I'm just calling her Mija. All right, that's what I'm going with. Let's call her what we um, like. I really loved her. Like she's so tenacious. And like there's this scene where you know you'd see it kind of in Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise on the roof of a vehicle, and you know yes. he'd be like thing. And I love it that they've reversed that. She's on the top. And yeah, she's when they've like, kidnapped Okja in the yeah. big van, and she. Well, I don't want to tr- say if that, but yeah. That's what I think. It's fine. You're you're trying to avoid spoilers, but it's fine. It's a big action scene. And so she's on the top of this van and she's like bravely clinging on and stuff. And I just thought, and that whole actually set piece was one of my favourite parts because also they use ball bearings as a Mm. technique of throwing people off the thing. And I don't think that's used enough. No, it's It's one stepper short of a banana skin. There's also good. Okja pooing into into yeah. people too. It's, it's, it's a good thing. It is, it is funny. It is d- it's but funny. I think it's we say, We're gone. I personally spent 25% of this film in floods of tears. Good. I found it... Inc- <laughs> I really did. I found it incredibly moving. Yeah, and good. I... And I, myself, I am actually a proper vegetarian. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm a proper course, vegetarian. Yeah. And I, I felt at the end of it... Thank God I'm a proper yeah. vegetarian. I don't even know if I can eat any food I do now. feel, I did partly feel if they're going to have like a giant chicken thing, you know, that I would stop eating chicken maybe. If they had an Okja, like maybe Okja 2 will be about yeah. huge giant super chickens. Who knows? And there'll be a little boy. The last, the last like, third of the film is very brutal. It's very and powerful. It's, it's very it's powerful. powerful and and it, but it's this, so one of the things that people have said, because one of the things critics say about films a lot is, is like a, for me, like, and he's is, is it's tonally all over the place. Now, this film, if there's ever a film that is tonally all over the place, this is it. It's got the, the opening parable bit, which is like a kid's film almost. It's got the adventure, action adventure bit. Did you mention these car yeah. chases? And but people c- throwing, does it matter? Got, no, this, no, of course, this is what I'm saying. I'm about to say, I'm no, sorry. it doesn't. No. This is almost like the greatest thing about this it's film is it's tonally all over the place. Yeah. And it completely, it can go from incredibly but, broad comedy yeah. one minute of Jay Gyllenhaal's character being an absolute doofus, idiot. Oh, he's total clown. Yeah. The next minute, the incredibly dark, horrible stuff going on in the in the facility where they keep up jar yeah. and the meat thing going on. But with any other topic, I think it would be incohesive to have so many different yeah. t- so many different tones in it. But sure. actually, I think in it's this, because it's this a, topic, right. you, they have been able to do that and it's done it with absolute expert precision. Exactly. And that credit for that, a lot of credit for that has to go to John Watson, the coast, the, and the screenplay really? is so smart, I think. He's written a brilliant article in The Guardian about kind of exactly what he was brought in to do, really, if you like, by, mm. by the director. And it's fascinating because I just think it, it 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 kind of negotiates those tones yeah. so brilliantly. I it's my second favorite film of the year after Baby Driver. Do you know what? I'm a, I'm a pseudo vegetarian, and the only meat I like to eat is sausages. I love sausages, and after watching this, no, well, I'm definitely not guilty. eating CGI sausages, um, pigs. But like, yeah, I'm actually right. think I'm. Okay, almost I, certainly... don't want, I want you to stop eating. Sausage you know what? Meat now. Yeah, I'm going to stop. stop. I think it's I'm really... stopping because of Okja. Yeah. I think we should say don't. I personally think that. Okja is literally cute. And if you have little children, don't think, oh, it's going to be a bit of a Disney. It's not no, based. That's not. what I'm saying. It's tr- yeah. it, it's well, really there is swearing t- in it. It's really Effing tough. Jeffing. It's really it's tough, tough yeah, It's not children's And when you, when you stop watching the film, you will be thinking about your next meal. Yeah, and if you're not... And if you go out and have a bacon sandwich, then you need to look at yourself. <laughs> it's, it's very upsetting. This is going to be Morris's favourite film of all time, and there it's is no higher film. praise from me. Really? Yeah. No. I think it's brilliant. It's... Yeah. It's very, it's very clever. Come on, how many stars? I'm giving it four and a half stars. Oh. And half stars is for the ball bearings. Okay. 
because I love the ball bearing usage. So you would have given it four, but half, yeah. half a star. Okay. I mean, I'm absolutely with you. I adored this film and I think it's a really important film to watch even though it's really hard going and I love the cute it's animals. It's incredibly entertaining though. It is. Oh, it is. It's really fun. Relentless relentlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. lots of people will think, oh, this is, as you said, quite rightly said, it mm. is a meat is murder film yeah. and that might be off-putting okay. to people who like yeah, bacon sure. sandwiches but sure. it's an important, powerful film to watch. It's yeah. got a really important message and I, I'm going to give it five. So let me just say, Okjar, five stars from me. Kate took a start, half a star off for some reason. Five stars for Steph. Do you know what? On, yeah. In an unprecedented move. Yes. I'm going five, Good. actually. I'm oh, going, five. going five. It's a full she's five. Sorry, five. guys. Yeah. Is that know. our first full five? Patrick, uh, for a film. Uh, for a film. I don't know. It could be for a film. Eh? For a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. I'm glad. Well I'm glad we've morally, morally... That's the um, award you've really been waiting for. I'm glad we've morally compelled you yeah. to give it five stars. It's on Netflix from tomorrow. Everyone should watch it, apart from small children who shouldn't because it's quite disturbing. <laughs> um, so it stars. We've, we've had Jake Gyllenhaal in one of his most incredible performances of all time. So I thought we'd ask a question about him in the question time. Question time. In honour of Jake's maverick performance as this utter doofus in Okja, what is your favourite Jake Gyllenhaal movie slash performance? Steph. Right. Hands down, Zodiac. 2007 Ooh. Zodiac, where he plays Robert Graysmith. About the, the Zodiac brilliant killer. David Fincher film. Um believe about the film that's one of those films that even though it's really dark I can watch it again and again and again love it and it's absolutely amazing also Mark Ruffalo is very good in it but Jake Gyllenhaal yes. this is his best film it is a brilliant film and it was it was, one, it was one of my contenders but I didn't pick it so I'm glad you picked it yeah. Kate I'm going to go for Love and Other Drugs only oh, because yeah. I wanted a reason to give my amazing Jake Gyllenhaal anecdote which is when I interviewed him oh here we go here we go Shameless. Such a name dropper. It, well, this is a good one because I interviewed him for the film and in it um, I discussed with him because he's 30, he was going to be 30 within a few days of me. I asked him if he wanted to have a joint birthday party, which he kind of went along with. And then I gave him a birthday present and I said, have you got anything for me? He patted himself down, didn't have anything in his pockets and then said, and this is something I'll always regret. He said, I don't have anything in my pockets, but do you want a hug? And I went, yeah. Maybe later. <sighs> oh! You idiot. You are an official doofet. I'm, yeah. a, I'm, an I'm an absolute idiot, but he did give me a rose, so Why I've got that. Why did you try and play it cool with Jake? I don't know. I was being professional. But well, anyway. You could be married to him so now. You could be having joint parties and everything, a joint house. Well, you know, know. you're a everything. And he was promoting Love and Other Drugs. The yeah, exactly, and I really yeah. like that film. It's a good film, yeah. yeah. Um, I was looking through his filmography. It's really fucking impressive. Sorry, I've sworn. No reason I've no. made that. No, we're going to have to yeah, put the explicit it, message yeah. on there. But Thanks, Boyd. Donnie Darko was his first big break. Mm. Absolute cast iron classic. He makes um, good choices. Good, Broke the back. Good Girl, which is probably Jennifer Francis' best film. That is 100% Jennifer yeah. Francis' best the film. The Day After Tomorrow, which is one of the best ludicrous blockbuster disaster films ever. Oh, Program like Mountain, Mountain. Oh, um, which I nearly picked yeah. but then I didn't Jarhead very good war film oh, yeah that's hard Zodiac going, you mentioned good. Zodiac um, Love and Other Drugs you mentioned Source Code really good science fiction film yeah. directed by David Bowie's son but I have picked and then after that Nightcrawler Nightcrawler is really good and Rob Nightcrawler is my, se Nightcrawler <laughs> was my second my right. second best actually he was brilliant in Southport the film itself not amazing but he was brilliant oh, in Boxer oh I totally agree disagree yeah. Southport yeah. Southport was really good no no it was good I enjoyed it but not amazing like not classic it was really good we brilliant. watched that together oh, we well, and Kay watched it together she then, was in bits yeah, was last year was in Nocturnal Animals amazing oh god I forgot yes. Nocturnal Animals oh he's so okay, right. you've got to choose one okay? I'm, you can't read it I am easily picking easily easily picking 
Prisoners. I didn't yes. see that. What? I knew you were going to say that. Go out and watch Get Prisoners Now, She's rent it, watch get that. it on She's iTunes. She's got to watch Deep Denis Heat. Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Body Heat. After Body Heat, Denis Villeneuve, who's the best director of the moment, he's, he's the guy who did Arrival, you know, last, mm. last year's Arrival. He's directing the That's Blade Runner good. sequel, thank God. He's absolute genius. I can't wait for that. He directed this absolutely brilliant crime, very dark crime drama called Prisoners in 2013, which I feel should have had loads of Oscar nominations and was robbed. It's a beautifully made, stunning film. And um, Jake plays the one of the most troubled detectives you'll ever see on the screen. He's a really dark, disturbed detective investigating mm. the kidnapping of these kids. And it's an absolutely fantastic... Hugh Jackman is the father, and Hugh Jackman kind of wants to go out and find the, per- the person who perpetrated this kidnapping himself, like go all, you know, kind of go all death wish on it. And Jake Gyllenhaal's character is the cop trying to keep him down and keep him, you know, keep things above board. And it's an incredibly powerful, intense, brilliant film. And one of the best... Who done it slash crime things? Because the the the, um, the solution to it is so clever. It, so you've got to see it. High praise indeed. I'm really shocked. I haven't seen. I'm that. amazed you haven't seen it. You should have seen I it. I am shocked. Prisoners illegally okay. download it as soon as you get home. I will no, get no from, illegal activity around here. Thank you. Video, if blockbuster video still existed. Wow, what, what a difference! Blockbuster video. Mm. Kay and I've realised nobody else knows that jingle apart from us. So Do you know we it? sing it. Of course I know the blockbuster Well, you didn't jingle. join in, so how would we I know? I don't sing. I don't, I don't <laughs> sing in the middle of the podcast. Anyway, um, we've gone on way too long. Thanks for your singing. Thanks for the blockbuster video uh, jingle. <laughs> Should we say to people if they like us, they can give us a nice please, review? Please, if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us positively on the iTunes. Positively. If you hate us, don't. Don't K- say anything. Don't yeah, say anything. keep it in your heads. Keep it to your heads. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.